In the first few moments to establish your posture again. Making sure that the back is erect with that natural curvature, but not stiff. Noticing any places of holding or tension in the body. Checking around the face, the eyes and the jaw especially. Intentionally relaxing around those areas. And then letting the attention float throughout the body to catch any other areas that may need some softening, relaxing. And also checking the posture of the mind, the inner posture. If there was any agenda something to be strived for, just letting that go and knowing that in our practice during this sitting, we're just doing the best we can to be with whatever arises and becomes apparent or predominant in the field of attention. Also knowing that There are many things that we can't notice clearly. So we can't catch everything. Whenever you find it helpful to touch base with something in the body that allows you to ground your attention, to stabilize your attention, You can do that, especially at the beginning of a sitting. It's very helpful to notice the body simply sitting here, sensing the entire body occupying space, noticing the various touch points that become apparent. Like at the buttocks, touching the cushion or your chair, the hands, the legs and feet. Just sitting and know that you are sitting. May also be helpful to connect with the breath, however it is appearing. Maybe there is a particular area that is more clear to you. For example, 
the breath and the sensations of the breath as they appear at the belly, rising and falling, or at the chest area. or at the nostrils, sensing the air coming into the body, going out of the body. If you're new to practice, check out one of these three areas to see which area is most clear for you. Clear in the sense of knowing it, sensing it, feeling it. The belly rising and falling. The chest rising and falling. Or directly around the nostrils. Air coming in. Sensing the coolness, various vibrations. When the breath goes out, the warmth, the various sensations. And if you're new to practice, choose one of those areas that help you to stabilize your attention a place where you can begin your practice when you need to begin there, or a place you can come back to whenever you need some place to touch into that helps stabilize. For many of you, It may be simply okay to open to whatever is appearing most predominantly. Whatever becomes clear in a natural way. It may be experiences of the body, pleasant sensations, unpleasant sensations, pain, Tightness, tension, pressure, smoothness, roughness. It may be experiences of the mind, confusion, aversion, peacefulness, contentment, wanting, Impatience, compassion, spaciousness. Whatever is being noticed in a very natural way, bring clear attention to that. Aversion being known sensations being known, happiness being known, pain being known, 
If it helps you to make a silent mental notation, you can do that. But it may be that the simple recognition without words is enough. So let that happen as well. Keep a balance of being clear with your moment-to-moment experience, but also being relaxed. And remember to not get so worried if you can't be mindful of everything. Some things just become more apparent, more predominant. And that's where mindfulness can be brought to that, those very places. So watch the balance of being clear yet relaxed. Notice what the body is doing once in a while. Maybe need to relax any tension that has developed around the face, the shoulders, the hands. If we keep this relaxed yet clear attention, mindfulness can easily notice whatever is happening.
as soon as mindfulness notices that thinking is happening. See if you can stay with the momentum of mindfulness, noticing whatever else is happening in the body, in the mind. If it helps you to make a silent mental notation, thinking, or thinking being known, then do that. But it may suffice to just notice. And then notice whatever else is happening, keeping the momentum of mindfulness going.
whenever pain arises in the body, make sure to allow the attention to relax around it, not boring into the pain. Being clear yet relaxed, let the attention around it be more spacious. Sometimes it helps to intentionally open to hearing so that the field of attention can become more spacious. And from that place of hearing, hearing that spacious attention, then being mindful of the pain that arises and passes away.
do you have any questions about your sitting or your walking practice this morning? So the question is, during any session or sitting, how much time to leave for metta? How to combine the two? Uh, you can do that if, if you find it helpful to do a little metta in the beginning or a little in the end. Um, but only if you find it helpful, not make it mandatory that you do it. Sometimes doing metta a little bit in the beginning just helps to soften the mind. It helps to uh, cultivate some concentration. But sometimes it can also get in the way of just being open to our moment-to-moment experience. So we have to be careful about that. For example, sometimes we're doing, we've sat and we're doing our, we have the intention to do vipassana practice. And it becomes a little difficult in the body and the mind, and we bring metta in right away. That's a little different from what you're saying, I realize. But we can engender that if we if we think we're going to bring in metta all the time with every sitting. And so what happens when it becomes difficult in the body or in the mind, and then we kind of by habit go to metta, we actually... Um, kind of engender a resistance to whatever difficulty is coming up because we we take another tool to sort of... It, it, it's a wholesome distraction, but it's still a distraction from what's going on. So just... that's It's good that you brought that up. So just being careful about that. What might really be helpful is, aside from the time that we do metta or tomorrow we'll begin equanimity practice, is if you want to, take a whole other uh, sitting period to do metta. Like especially in the evening, it's beautiful to do metta in the last sitting of the day. One of the benefits of metta is that uh, they say when our mind is filled with metta, we have um, sweet dreams and uh, we have a good sleep. So you can try it the last uh, sitting of the day, or sometimes for me, the first sitting in the morning when it's difficult for me to, to keep awake early. Metta can really help. Mm-hmm. Back there. Mm-hmm. How do you star in the next moment? Hmm? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, 
mindfulness is part of the mind, it's part of you, so to speak. How about letting that participate in the next moment? Would that make sense to you? Being mindful of whatever is there in that next moment. And even if it is part of your participating, so to speak, just being mindful of that. That could continue to be participation in the next moment. Just see how that works. Do you want to explain more about that? Doing more. Yeah, yeah. So doing more means what? What comes up for you then? What kind of mental states or bodily experiences? Uh huh. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mhm. Yeah, I know it's uh, to get used to doing something different takes a little shifting and training. So whatever whatever the habit pattern is, can that be noticed? Just adding one more thing allowing that habit pattern to be as it is, and just notice that. It's not taking away anything. It's just adding that moment of noticing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, first of all, about drowsiness, just to know that it's so common during the beginning of a retreat, and we have to allow ourselves time to get used to this schedule and a way of being awake when we're still and we're quiet. Usually when there's stillness and there's silence, the mind thinks, well, it's time to go to sleep. So that's what happens. So we're getting used to a new way of being alert while being still and silent. And there are some antidotes to uh, sleepiness that might help in the beginning for all of us. And somebody mentioned standing up, and I noticed a gentleman in the back doing that this sitting, that really helps, just standing up. One of the other things that helps as an antidote is opening your eyes and just looking at a place where there's a lot of light, like this window or that window at another time of the day. Um, That can really awaken the mind, just to bring light into the eyes. In the text it says to pull your earlobes. You know, I don't know whether that's something that... um, 
you know, just readjust something in the mind, in the body, etc. But I notice that the Buddha has very long earlobes. <laughs> so uh, if, you know, I can do it too. If Who knows if that was the cause and condition for the Buddha's earlobes to be long. Um, so doing things like that really, really helps. The main thing, though, as you were saying, is to be mindful of whatever the component experiences of sleepiness and drowsiness are. So you might notice particular uh, component parts which could be heaviness in the body. You feel that heaviness. And sometimes it could be just the opposite, is lightness, even one after another, kind of that lightheadedness. Sometimes it can be um, fogginess, a sense of fogginess in the mind, or like you're slogging through mud or something. Just to notice what's happening can awaken the mind. Um, It's helpful sometimes for me to bring in the noting, to bring in the mental noting, because having to note silently takes some energy. So even though it's, sometimes I find even the energy is weak there, but I can watch it rising, the energy rising, just to be able to notice what's actually happening and put a a name to it. Like, oh, this is heaviness, heaviness, lightness, lightness, muddiness, fogginess. And sometimes it, it feels like the body is doing this, you know, just moving, nodding like that, just keeping attention to that. So one of our teachers says to note like once per second. And, you know, if you're not averse to noting, uh, don't note if it's going to bring up aversion, just if if it's okay for you. Um, Note more often. So this way, this noting is actually, it says that uh, what brings about uh, mindfulness is clear perception. The proximate cause for mindfulness to arise is clear perception. So noting can bring about clear perception. And so it might be helpful to to note more. And um, another simple thing I do is take a brisk walk right before the sitting, and, and that could help. Yeah, And just to be okay with it. If you feel like you need to take a nap, just take a nap, but, you know, not on your sitting cushion. Don't curl up and, um, you know, in your room, just take a nap. And that sometimes that can just balance it all out. So that's a good thing to bring up. Anything else? Yeah? Uh-huh. 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 Mhm. 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 Right. 
Yeah, very good point. So it sounds like you were handling it well, actually. Um, the second arrow, when, when she mentioned the second arrow, that means the pain in the body is the, the first painful thing, and the second painful thing is the pain in the mind. Uh, so which brings up a good point. When there is pain in the body, and as you say, staying as relaxed around it as you can, sometimes bringing in uh, what I mentioned in the sitting of intentionally turning the mind towards hearing. Hearing can be a good thing to do. Even opening the eyes, just making that space bigger that the pain can arise and be noticed in and pass away. Um, But also noticing, as you mentioned, the relationship uh, in the mind to that pain. What is the attitude of the mind to that pain? And sometimes, actually, that is the more predominant experience. Um, It may go in and out of being in the foreground, in the background, but uh, we may not realize that the attitude of the mind towards that pain in relationship to that pain is the predominant experience. And sometimes, in retrospect, we may find that we have been putting all this attention on the physical aspect of that whole experience when actually the mental aspect is is greater or is actually calling more attention, but mindfulness doesn't, somehow it doesn't go there. So when there's pain in the body, it might help to ask, what's the attitude of the mind in relationship to this pain? You know, just that quick kind of inquiry. And um, it's interesting what we notice. Sometimes I would go to my own teacher and describe experiences, painful experiences in the body, and he would ask, what color glasses are you wearing today, Yogi Kamala? You know, like what lens is the mind seeing that, that pain through? And then there would be a quick noticing, oh yeah, there's, there's aversion, there's resistance there. And, and it would still be present, actually. So noticing the relationship of the mind to the, that experience, or for that matter, any other experience, maybe hearing arises, and like the hearing that was going on yesterday, and uh, the noise that was going on. And so noticing the, the, that can be so predominant, hearing, 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 but we don't notice that the mind uh, relationship to it of aversion or whatever it might be may be actually even louder, but what one is not seeing that. So it's this um, very interesting uh, exploration of the body-mind experience. Yeah, so thank you for bringing that up. So today is another day, another day, another Dharma, and we're um, going to have the second round of group interviews today, and tomorrow we'll start. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.